Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are covering the trade deadline. So the trade deadline passed, and not really any blockbuster moves happened. Some of the bigger moves happened prior to the deadline. We had OG Ananobi get moved, and then we also, I guess that was the same trade. We had Emmanuel quickly. Uh, they swapped teams, and then Pascal Siakam got traded. That's like a fairly big name. Because most of the time, I guess, like, was that last year Durant got moved at the deadline? It's And I also, Kyrie, it's not to say that stars don't get traded at the deadline, but every year, every year can't be a big year. You know, it's kind of like in the NBA draft, every draft can't be some amazing deep draft or else then they would be normal because compared to everything else, you get what I'm saying. So... I just wanted to rattle through all these smaller trades because normally what we do is when there's a trade, we'll do a whole episode, dedicate like 15 minutes deep diving players. But most of these players aren't good enough to warrant that much time. And also a lot of them don't have enough of a track record to like dig into the data, like some of the younger guys that got moved. So just going to start from the top and work our way down. Little stuff, Indiana acquires Corey Joseph for like a second round pick. Not really a whole lot to say there. Although I will say one of my friends, partners, is a massage therapist in San Francisco. And she gave Corey Joseph a massage like two weeks ago and said he was very nice. And I guess it's sort of unfortunate for her business because he just got moved away. So that kind of sucks. But... Just kind of a random story. But, yeah, she said he was uh, um, just, like, a really pleasant. And yeah, went well. So that's your Corey Joseph story for the episode. <laughs> uh, moving on. Dallas acquired Daniel Gafford for a first-round pick, and Rashad Holmes sent that over to Washington. So, basically, Rashad Holmes doesn't really play. He hasn't played in a couple years. On the Kings, a couple years ago, did have a pretty lethal push shot. And I did get excited about that. We haven't really seen that resurface. But essentially, Dallas gives up a first-round pick for Daniel Gafford. And what you're getting out of him is he's a vet. He's been in the league for a few years now. He is pretty good rim protector. He is a very good athlete and a pretty superb rim finisher. So he is your, what we call is a roll and cut big. I refer to it as a roll and finish big. So, you know, pick and roll, man possessions pick and roll man possessions i don't know i always type it i never say it out loud gonna be able to finish lobs gonna finish around the basket and has a really large catch radius again super athlete (laughs) there was some lobs thrown to him in washington that were behind him he was able to reach back cock back and throw down so the highlights with luca are going to be really exciting this is a little bit of a surprise where so you have Kyrie at the one, you have Luca. we'll say, like kind of at the three in terms of the sizing where they're going to be placed in your, you know, one through five alignment. And you have Tim Hardaway Jr., who's your two, so you have your one, two, and your three kind of set. And then you have Derek Lively, who's been a really impactful rookie, and again, a similar role. Pretty good defensive numbers this year, the D-LeBron looks good, and pretty much just a play finisher, some offensive rebounding. You're not really giving him the ball to do things. And that makes sense like what you want to pair with Luka. You want an athletic rim-running big that he can feed, right? That that makes sense on paper, makes sense when you watch the games. Derek Lively played really good in his rookie year up until this point, playing about like 25 minutes a game. 
And you it's, it's a surprise because they only have so much ammunition in terms of draft picks of where they wanted to improve the team. And you would think it would be at the forward position, which I guess they did at the deadline. But basically what I'm trying to get at is they used some of their ammunition at the center position. And I was thinking about it the last few days. Part of it is Daniel Gafford's a pretty solid player who's been in a really bad environment. So it's a little hard to figure out how good those players are sometimes. But you like the skill set in terms of matching up with Luka and Kyrie. So you like that. And on the positive, they now have a strength at the center position, I think sort of like the Knicks, where the Knicks have two centers that would split time in Hartenstein and who's the, I'm blanking on his name. He's hurt right now. Offensive rebounding machine, Mitchell Robinson. I didn't have to look it up, I promise. They came to me. <laughs> so it, it was a nice kind of area of strength for the Knicks over the last two years where you can split the minutes. You don't have to worry about foul trouble as much, which is nice. And that, that comes into play in the playoffs. And then also when guys go down with injuries, you're, you can stay afloat because you have another quality center. Because it's really hard to play when you don't have anything at the center position, specifically defensively, can be really difficult. So I think it was a little bit of a surprise of, hey, they just struck kind of gold in Derek Lively. Looks like a really good defensive center in his rookie season. So to add another center is a little bit of a surprise, but also you're like, okay, this is now a, a clear strength of the team where they can run out 48 minutes of, of pretty quality center play. So Dallas getting Daniel Gafford, Washington getting Rashawn Holmes, and a first-round pick. Uh, moving on, there's a bunch of trades I'm not even going to mention because I don't even know who the players are, and it's like a random player for a second-round pick. Not a whole lot to, to talk about. Robin Lopez got traded to the Kings. I don't know if you guys saw this. So Robin Lopez was on the Bucks with his brother. He got traded to the Kings, and he hadn't left yet. So he was sitting courtside at the game reading a book during the game. And Robin Lopez is kind of the class clown of the NBA, I would say, at this point. And that was a, that was a pretty funny one. That was, that was good. Um, yeah, he committed to the bit. After that, Indiana picks up Doug McDermott. He is a, a pretty good three-point shooter. They trade a second-round pick to San Antonio. So the reason they did that is because they sent Buddy Heald to the 76ers. So they're kind of just replacing some of that three-point shooting. Um, they get Doug McDermott, who you know he's been around in the league for a while and not the greatest player in the world, but does offer shooting. And they give up a second-round pick. Nothing too expensive there. Not a whole lot to talk about. We'll talk about the Sixers trade now. Sixers acquire Buddy Heald for Marcus Morris. <laughs> Korkmaz. <laughs> this guy requested a trade a few, a few times from the, the depths of the bench of Philadelphia, so he fished his wish. And three second-round picks. I, another great move by Philly. They add their, another quality offensive player in Buddy Heald to their roster. I like that. Indiana... I guess just time to move on from Buddy Heald. They, they acquired him. He seemed to play pretty well in Indiana, but I don't know. Could have been things beyond the box score with that. Buddy Heald perpetually either on the trade block or getting traded, it seems like, for the last like five years. So just an interesting thing to note. Uh, moving on, Toronto made an interesting trade. They made a swap with Utah. So Toronto acquired an expiring Kelly Olenek contract, which was interesting. Again, good spacing for, can shoot it, 
can pass. Defensively, not the greatest player in the world, but like serviceable. But gives you some nice flexibility on offense. And then, okay, I look, I checked this name. Ocha Abaji. This is a, a player, a second-year player from Utah, got sent over to Toronto in the trade. I looked up how to say this name like 15 times before the show. I'm not going to say it again. So Kelly O and Abaji uh, get sent to Toronto. In exchange, Utah gets uh, a couple players in a 2024 first-round pick. So anytime there's a first-round pick getting moved, spend a little bit more time on that trade. Kelly Olenek, I thought, was one of the premier role players that was available at this deadline because obviously the Jazz aren't trying to contend for a championship this year. And Kelly Olenek, like I said, he's a four that can shoot it from three and he can pass. And that plugs into most teams because anytime you're playing, I I, I hesitate to call it a too big lineup with him. He's a forward, but whatever. You can play him alongside any center again because of the spacing. So that opens some things up. And then also a good ball mover, good passer can do some DHO handoff passing things. So he's a nice role player with a nice offensive skill set. I was more excited for him to go to a contender and, you know, play 20 plus 20, 20 to 20 to 25 minutes a night as a, a nice cog in a good offense. It was a little surprising that he went to Toronto. Um, I'm not, and he's an expiring deal, not a crazy contract, but I don't know, just an interesting, uh, Interesting move. I think one of the best moves of the deadline in terms of smaller deals, Milwaukee acquires Patrick Beverly. They give up campaign and a second round pick to Philadelphia. So basically, so like circling this back to a trade we just talked about, you would consider it an upgrade if you're the 76ers because you traded Patrick Beverly, who is a pretty good perimeter defender, Older, but still a pretty good perimeter defender for Buddy Heald, who is a pretty good offensive player and one of the better shooters in the league. That on paper in a vacuum is probably just an upgrade. So you're happy if you're the Sixers and they're going to kind of swap out at the shooting guard position. Now, swinging back to the trade, I know we're kind of all over the place in this episode, but when there's like 14 tiny trades, that's kind of how the episode's going to go. Um, Milwaukee acquires Patrick Beverly. So what the Bucks' main problem has been this year is their point of attack defense is really bad. It's just very bad. Last year, obviously, they had Drew Holiday, and they swap him out for Dame, so they get a lot more offense, but they're also going to lose quite a bit of defense. Also, they lost Javon Carter in free agency, who, again, smaller name, 3 and D player, but really good ball pressure player. So they lost two good perimeter defenders, and they brought in Damian Lillard and Malik Monk. Malik Monk also a very, or not Malik Monk, uh, Malik Beasley. Right first name, wrong last name. Uh, Dame, pretty poor defender at this point in his career. And Malik Beasley, traditionally uh, a very poor defender as well. So when they're your one and your two, your offense is going to be pretty good. And you're going to have some pretty crazy spacing. But defensively, you're going to have some issues. Pat Connington has played a little bit. He, at least prior, like a couple seasons ago, used to be quite a good athlete. I really like bringing in Beverly here because, one, you need a perimeter defense, and that's that's what he does. The three-point shooting has kind of gone away. He was never a great three-point shooter, but you could get production out of him by putting him on a, a good team, right, with some high-quality offensive players and then giving him some pristine three-point shot quality. You could get some results. That seems to have gone away the last few years as he's aged. 
but you still get pretty good perimeter defense, and you also get a crazy guy. And I've said this before, having one crazy guy on your team, very valuable. Because if you have no crazy guys, it's tough when you play a team with crazy people because you need, the, you know, the crazy people got a lot of fight in them. But you start getting like three crazy guys on your team, and it <laughs> it becomes difficult to keep the team together. So the Bucks veteran team, oftentimes veteran teams with like more solid situations can absorb crazy guys and like again one crazy guy is your edge guy very important and i think he fills that role quite well so i'm really excited about patrick beverly going to the bucks i think that fills their most obvious need of point of attack defender slash crazy guy so that is uh actually daniel gafford's the uh, a better acquisition long term but in terms of just this season and for what a team needed, Milwaukee, again, did not have a lot of ammunition to make a move. They were able to get a pretty good point-of-attack defender that's a veteran. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, moving on. Talking about other good point-of-attack defenders. So this is a three-team trade. Phoenix acquires Royce O'Neal and David Roddy. Royce O'Neal, really good 3 and D player on Utah for a number of years, has been on the Nets the last two years. David Roddy, uh, one of the wider players in the league. I don't know how good he is. He's been in the league a few years. He was on Memphis. One of If Michael Porter Jr. is the narrowest player in the league, David Roddy might be the widest player in the league. I think that's going to help you defensively. The wider you are, it's tough to turn the corner on someone that wide. Uh, Memphis... So this is a three-team trade. Phoenix gets two players. They get a 3 and D guy in Royce O'Neal, and I guess some D in David Roddy. I don't know how much he'll really play. Memphis gets a pick swap, gets Yuta Watanabe, and, and then I'll come on. This is impossible. So they get Watanabe. Looked that name up last year. I can say that one. Uh, and then they also got Metu, who's bounced around. He's been in Sacramento. He's been on a couple teams throughout the league. So... Um, <laughs> Memphis, basically, they pick up some random contracts and a pick swap. And then Brooklyn gets three second-round picks. This trade is full of people's names that are impossible to say. <laughs> um, the main takeaway, you just got to look. I'm... You, this is not my <laughs> This is not my strength, pronouncing names that are difficult to say. Um, the main takeaway of this trade, Phoenix gets Bryce O'Neal. And Brooklyn gets three second round picks. There's a whole bunch of other crap in here. If you want to see what it looks like, just look it up. Uh, after that, Dallas picks up PJ Washington from Charlotte in exchange for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first round pick. Another first round pick trade. So PJ Washington has been a guy that from the forward position has offered some pretty good three point shooting. This is his fifth year in the league. And overall just has some offensive skill. His defensive numbers have not been bad. They tried to play like some small ball center, PJ Washington. He's like 6'8 or 6'9. It almost, it almost never works when teams try to do that. When they're like, oh, we got a 6'8 guy that can shoot it. Let's, can he play defensively? Can he play center? And it's like, no, because like basically no 6'8 guy can. Um, so there's some decent defensive stats in his career, especially being on a bad team in Charlotte. But then there's some other times where you're like, oh, well, if you look at how he's being used, like he had no chance of success here. But his main talent is the affinity to shoot the ball at his size is interesting. And playing him at the four with Dallas, we were talking about kind of like 
You have Kyrie, Tim Hardaway Jr., Luca, PJ Washington, and now you have Daniel Gafford. And there are better lineups in the league, but on paper, you're like, I could see how you get some value out of that. Like you're surrounding Luca with some offensive talent, some serious spacing, a real role threat where they're not going to win the championship this year, but you're you're building a roster that's competitive, and that's sometimes the next step kind of on the staircase. Um, in return, Grant Williams. I really like Grant Williams going to Dallas in free agency to try to fill that Dorian Finney-Smith hole of defensive-oriented player that could knock down some threes. Started out the season scorching hot, and then the wheels kind of fell off here the last few months And Twitter really turned against Grant Williams, uh, the Maverick fans. And things just seemed to not be going particularly well. Um, Seth Curry, that was kind of a scratcher of this guy's late in his career. He's been banged up with injuries. When he does play, super accurate from three. But just it looks like it's probably the end of the line for Seth. He hasn't been playing much. He's older. But, I mean, kind of... Maybe this would be a good time to kind of tip your cap. Had a pretty good career. And tough when your brother's like top 15, top 10 player of all time. At least just made it to the league, you know. Um, and then there was a first-round pick in this trade. So Dallas gives up a first. Wait, so Dallas gave up two first-round picks at this deadline. And in return, they got Daniel Gafford and they got P.J. Washington. Where, I mean, those are like legit they're legit NBA players. I think both of those guys are like year four, year five. So there could be a little bit more in terms of potential and growth. You're getting to the cap there of kind of, you know, all of a sudden you're 27 years old and there's you're not going to get a lot better, you know. But they're acquiring solid NBA players that are not old. I, I could see why you would want to make these trades. I could also, you could, you could argue against it. You could say, hey, you should have packaged the two first-round picks in the offseason for something else, da 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 And it's not that you, know, you, you don't have an argument for maybe being able to acquire more talent, but you got a four and a five that on paper fit with Luka that are not old and could still grow a little bit and then again could be a lot more optimized on a better roster with better ball handling around them. So... You know, I, I I I see what Dallas is doing a little bit. Don't hate it. Uh, weird trade. Toronto, they acquire Spencer Dinwiddie in exchange for Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young. And then they DFA'd Spencer Dinwiddie. So I think they get... I think they get off the second year of Dennis Schroeder's contract because I think they signed him to a two-year deal. So basically, they signed Dennis Schroeder to a two-year contract last offseason, then they traded him for Dinwiddie, who's an expiring, who they bought out, to, I guess, have more cap space in the offseason. That that was how I took that trade. Um, if you are more of a hardcore Toronto fan and you understand the situation better than that, I apologize. And if I'm right, well, good me. Um, moving on, Boyan Bogdanovich. He's been rumored in so many trades for the last two years. The Knicks acquire him in exchange for Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, another random player that has like a 14-letter last name. Not even going to try it. And two second-round picks. 
So I wonder if this was mismanaged a little bit because there was rumors in the offseason that Detroit was being offered first-round picks for Boyan, and they didn't do it. I mean, who knows? Those were just rumors. In exchange, you did get Quentin Grimes, who I think is a pretty interesting kind of like 3 and D guy. Boyan's an older player. He's a good offensive player. He's a bad defensive player. He's like straight up bad at defense. So I, that doesn't get talked about a lot, but he does have, he can be a spacer and he does have some offensive skill. So that is nice because, especially from the forward spot, it's just nice to have a guy that can do a little something else because when you're, whatever, top two players are going cold or you're in a tough playoff series, something like that, just an additional offensive spark can be helpful. New York really loading up this year. They get OG Ananobi. He goes down with an injury. Now they get Bogdanovich, uh, another good offensive player. This team's really deep. They're playing pretty well. I know they're really banged up right now, but it looks like they're trying to make a push. And eh, it's hard to get, you know, hard, hard to, hard to hate on a team when they're trying to make a push. You know, uh, Quentin Grimes though, I think could be interesting going to Detroit. I hope to see him get some playing time. Nobody else in this trade, I don't think, matters too much. And then there's two second round picks. Another interesting move, Oklahoma City. They acquire Gordon Hayward. He's hurt right now, but he should be back soon. He's on an expiring deal, so he's going to be a free agent. So it's a minimal risk move. And then they give up to Charlotte, Trey Mann, and Davis Bertans. Bertans is on like a pretty hefty like 20 mil contract that has at least one more season after this. Maybe, maybe one more. And... I don't know. Gordon Hayward, I've always thought, is a pretty good player. I know he's really physically not what he used to be. The athleticism is is quite low at this point, but has some savvy, has some touch, has some skill. And this team, Oklahoma City, needed forward help. And this was an interesting, low-risk, low-cost move. So I would like to see it work because, you know... Gordon Hayward was playing so well in the middle of his career, was looking like a potential star, all-star player, and then gets hurt. You know, you're always rooting for those guys. And he gets to go to a winning situation in Oklahoma City. And it'd be interesting to see if he can crack the rotation. Minnesota acquires Monty Morris, uh, sent over to Detroit, Shake Milton and Troy, Bount- <laughs> Troy Brown Jr. and a second-round pick. Shake Milton, elite name, getting traded away. But Monty Morris has been a guy who is not a bad offensive player and Minnesota their offense not very good so just trying to swap out some back end pieces on the bench for a potential offensive spark that you know might pop up at some point this season again really good low cost move and then oh yeah the last one Boston they acquired Xavier Tillman in exchange for Lamar Stevens and two second round picks sending them to Memphis Xavier Tillman's been a, he's in year four. He is a defensive-oriented player. He is a non-factor on offense, doesn't score at all, maybe a couple offensive rebounds, but has been a mobile big. It's been able to switch, play on the perimeter a little bit, some defensive playmaking out of him. His rim protection's gotten better over the years, and he's developed into just like a quality backup defensive big that can give you, you know, 20 minutes a night, whatever it may be. And, you know, make a little bit happen in terms of deflection, steals, things like that. So I really like that move for Boston because they needed an insurance policy because Al Horford's 48 years old 
and Christoph Porzingis he like has a history of getting hurt. So there's very, very, very real possibilities where one of those guys goes down during the playoff run and they miss two weeks or whatever it may be. And having Xavier Tillman to come in and just be a solid defensive player is big. And on a roster like Boston, you don't need your reserve big to really to do much on offense. So I like that fit. I like that. That was a really good insurance policy move. It really cost you only two second round picks. So nothing too expensive. That was just rattling around the trade deadline. Like I said, if you want to look up all these trades, there's like trade deadline trackers you can look at because I this was all over the place. I actually weirdly was, I don't know why. I put off doing this for like a whole week. I, we didn't have a second episode last week. I'm moving also. That's part of it. I think that's really what it is. I'm moving to San Francisco tomorrow. So podcast might be a little spotty here for like a week or two because I have to buy a desk because... <laughs> This two monitors set up on the ground just like isn't going to happen. So I need to buy a desk before I record the next podcast. So we'll see how long that takes going to Ikea tomorrow. But yeah, that is the recap of the 2024 trade deadline. I'd say the biggest moves, the moves I'm the most interested in, Dallas gets P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford. The Boston Celtics get Xavier Tillman. 76ers get Buddy Heald. And I, probably the deal that matters in my life the most, Spencer Dinwiddie gets traded for, and then he gets released, and then the Lakers sign him. So essentially the Lakers pick up Spencer Dinwiddie for nothing, which Spencer Dinwiddie in a vacuum, I had him as a C-plus player in my midseason player rankings. His numbers this year are really rough, but historically over his career, good playmaker, not a bad scorer. And he can self-create. That's pretty important. It's a valuable skill. And he's just overtasked. He's more of a six-man. And in Brooklyn, he was the second option, first op- primary ball handler. And that's just too much offensive responsibility for a guy like Dinwiddie. So going to the Lakers, I am really excited about that because the combination of D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, and Spencer Dinwiddie is a pretty interesting three-guard rotation. And... That could potentially help the Lakers as they struggle through this season. So that's the trade deadline recap. If you want to talk about it on Twitter at Taylor Metrics, and we'll see you on the next episode of Basketball Index Podcast.